Uh, it's a pleasure to, to be able to come and share with you today. It's, um, can't you imagine though, it's a little, a little bit nerve wracking, right? Wouldn't it be if you were up here? Um, but uh, I, I, I honestly do like the opportunity. I, I wanna seize it. And uh, so um, I, wanna, I wanna share with you what I think God was showing me uh, this last summer as I was uh, reading through the book of, of Hebrews. And so I, um, I uh, just kind of in my quiet time in the mornings and, and I'd read through it and, and it really, you know, um, we, we ought to be, we ought to have, uh, in the ideal Christian life, there is something that God has been teaching you lately. Um, that's not always true for me. I, I, I can't really, honestly say that I mean, we need to be ready to share and sometimes we say I don't know what I, I don't know how I would start a conversation you know with someone about about the good news that I have in me and um, but you know if you have been uh, listening and applying or reading and applying or meditating and applying something uh, out of scripture in your life that's an awesome place to start and uh, in the absence of uh, knowing for sure uh, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, what I might share, the most logical, safe thing for me to tell you about today is what I think God's been telling me. So, Hebrews, I'm, I love it. I went back over it this summer and, uh, you know, uh, chapters one to 10 for me, there's so much good stuff in there, but w chapters one to 10 for me this summer were really a, uh, an, a, 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 a progressive revelation of, of who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what Jesus is doing right now for you and I. Um, uh, I can't, we can't do that all today. I can show you an inkling of what uh, I found, and I'm going to. I'm going to try, actually, on the back of your half sheet of your bulletin is a list of things that I just quickly pulled out uh, 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 who, who Jesus is. Chapter 11, most of you know from Hebrews, is the Heroes of the Faith chapter. Um, Many, many times that, that's used or talked about when we're teaching on faith or even just teaching about, uh, there's very good synopsis of, of how the lives of these uh, uh, cloud of witnesses uh, to the faith and to, their, uh, to, to God is, is um, something that we can um, emulate. I, I would suggest that uh, chapter 12 is kind of the... Um, I believe it's the, the writer's charge. Um, I believe it's a charge for us to respond to Jesus and our spiritual heritage with a compulsion. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it that today. To keep thinking about Jesus and to change our living to serve our people. And in so, and in so doing, we will absorb a righteousness and a peace that um, defies rational explanation because it's supernatural. And I'm gonna suggest that this compulsion for Jesus ultimately corrects our character, it changes us. Uh, we use the word discipline sometimes, and, and I'm gonna throw out some other kind of phrases that I think are the same, but I'm hoping you'll think differently this morning. But it corrects our character so that we can serve others on what for today I'm gonna to call Team Zion. And I will explain that a little bit towards the end of my talk. So many of you know that I like to get outdoors. This is a 
picture of a location in Washington called the Enchantment Lakes, or the Enchantments, and all the best hiking places and campsites are reserve only these days in order to, in order to protect and uh, restrict the amount of people that are there at any one time uh, to protect it, you know, the fragile nature of some of these sites. This is probably one of the most difficult places to get a permit for in Washington State. It's spectacular. And so, for good reason, it's hard to get into. Um, however, there is a way to get into the enchantments if you will go out, stay outside the boundary and go to a place called Kolchuk Lake and hike over um, Asgard Pass, which is an 8,000 foot saddle, to drop into the top part of the lakes. If you can do that, then you can hike down through the enchantments if you, if you can, in one day. It's uh, 18 miles. And that's what we're going to do today with the book of Hebrews. Um, next slide, uh, just kind of an overview. I think I just touched on this, the character of Jesus that compels us in those first 10 chapters, and the examples of the faith in chapter 11, just as it, by way of introduction. Um, I'm going to linger, a loiter in uh, chapter 12, really, the charge to us. And uh, in some ways, I guess that's like trying to run through the, the enchantments in one day. But, but it's, it's what I thought I wanted to share with you. So buckle up. Here we go. Okay, next slide this is also all these, um, these uh, different um, aspects of Christ, of Jesus, that you can get from chapters 1 to 10. Um, you, I, I would encourage you to go back to chapters 1 to 10 and try to recreate uh, this. There are others as well this week. But it's important, a big part of the emphasis, my emphasis today is that we need to have a compulsion for who Jesus is, who he, what he did, and what he's doing right now. We, if we don't have that, then when you weigh that against your struggle with sin, against sin that you don't want to do anymore, or your attempt or your efforts to um, endure hardship, you need, you need that understanding and that compulsion uh, of who, uh, towards Jesus. You really need it. I think the scripture is telling us that this is what we must do to do life right uh, with Christ. So there's all kinds of amazing stuff. I could probably, you know, several sermons. Caleb says there's several sermons. You realize there's several sermons that you're talking about here this week when he came over to talk to me. Kevin was a little more... He just said, hey, it's a good outline. There's nothing wrong with it. You keep going. Caleb's, I don't know how you're going to get through all this. But, but I did. And, it, and I, I figure in this service, we just switched to Spanish at one, and we're good. So, uh, okay, so you can really, um, boy, you can just see this uh, ancient Jesus, Jesus uh, incarnate when he became man, and Jesus uh, today and in the future. And um, it, it is a little overwhelming, but... Um, just the idea that Jesus is the change agent of creation. He is God. God spoke, and uh, life and the world was created. Uh, but, but it's specific in several places in Scripture that Jesus was there, and he was, in fact, the engine that made it happen. He was what I would call the change agent. I don't really know exactly what that means, but I think it's important, it's mentioned, and it's this aspect that Jesus remains the same, he was always there, and that he is in fact God. 
He is God in a bod. I like to say that because I think it's basic to our theology that you recognize that Jesus was not just, he was 100% man. He is a person of God. He is 100% God. I know those don't add up. I just accept it. Scripture tells us that. Okay, so then we have this chapter 11 that I talked about, the next slide, that talks about a cloud of witnesses. These are our witnesses too. The Old Testament is, there are heroes of the faith as well, but I really want to emphasize and ask you to consider who your local or modern heroes of your faith are. Who helped you to come to know Jesus or who taught you what the truth of the gospel was, obviously with the help of the Holy Spirit, but how did that happen? In this scripture, in chapter 12, in this charge to you, you're being asked to think about that group, that cloud of people that have influenced you, that have been successful on some level in their walk with the Lord, on some level in their endurance of hardship, on some level in their struggle with against sin. Consider that. Consider the person of Jesus. Consider that cloud of witnesses. And with that, let's jump into the lesson, okay? Now, there's an outline, there's a three-point outline, and it's, on your, it's, on your, uh, it's in your bulletin, and it's also on the U version. In fact, a complete outline, a homiletic type of an outline, is on your, your, your U version app. I would encourage you to not look at it now, but this week, open it up and read through it and see if it makes sense to you. See if what didn't make sense today makes more sense to you then. Okay, first point, our struggle with sin and hardship corrects our character. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or the author and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we talk about a charge to throw off the sin that entangles us, um, I was telling the first service, it reminds me, when I think of entangle, uh, I think of spider season, which we're right, right in the middle of. And every morning... I've got to pull a Statue of Liberty with my coffee and go out and walk the path down to my car to avoid, you know, all these fantastic webs that have been, wonderful webs that have been made while I'm gone. And, and that entanglement, I can't even see it a lot of the times, but I can feel it. I can feel it afterwards. Then I start to wonder where the spider is, you know, because that's probably not the smartest way to, you know, to fight these little guys. But... Our sin, we need to throw it off. We need to really kick it off. And then we're being commanded to do that in light of, therefore, in light of the situation that's been described in chapters 1 to 10, the person of Jesus, and the cloud of witnesses that we have around us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. I, I'm going to call that this morning a compulsion for the person of Jesus. Uh, obsessing about who Jesus is what he has done, and what he's doing for us now. Um, this phrase in verse 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Uh, that's a weird, a little uh, strangely worded uh, to me. Um, but I want to compare it to... Um, 
Okay, Caleb laughed at this in the first server, but if you look at the state of Washington, does that look like the state of Washington? This little thing right here is Puget Sound, right? It's a body of water. It's fairly large. Uh, if you go west, west, a few blocks, or all the way down to the beach on a nice summer night at sunset, lots of people want to see the beauty of that sunset going behind the mountains and the color in the clouds. And to do that, you look across the water and you see that mountain. And today's got a lot of mountain metaphors. Um, we're going to talk about Mount Sinai and being on a team that was at Sinai or Mount Zion, um, uh, 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 imagine, not an imaginary, an intangible mountain that scripture talks about that is in fact heaven. And Jesus, uh, this, it's saying here that uh, for the joy that was set before Jesus, that he could see as he was looking across Puget Sound and all the crud that he had to go through, he could see the beauty, he, he, the, the mountain gave him a joy that allowed him to endure the cross. It enabled him to endure the cross. It enabled him to not care about the shame. He scorned the shame that he did not deserve um, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now this joy that, that uh, Jesus saw is the exact same. If you only get one thing today, it's not on the outline. This joy is the exact same joy that you and I can have in this life. It's a joy that's looking ahead. It's looking at a mountain that we're, we're not to yet. I promise you, you have hardship to go through, you know, out there in Puget Sound. I promise you that if you're doing it right, you are going to struggle against sin in your life because that's what we're called to do. We're called to to be holy because without holiness, people aren't going to see God. And so, while Jesus had a different, clearly had a different role than we do, that joy that he saw is the same joy because of what he did. That is our joy. That's what gets us. We can see that. We know that in the foreground we've got hardship and we know that we've got sin that we need to, that we need to be struggling against. And that's what we're called to do in this scripture. Um, verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus' example, the joy he had, the same joy that we can have, don't, will, will help us to not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now, um, I want to make it clear that uh, what, I, what I think this means when we're talking about a struggle uh, against sin. Uh, I, I think it's worth slowing down just a teeny bit. It's not, yes, I struggle with that sin, but nobody knows about it. Yeah, I have a struggle with that sin. It's not, I, I struggle with that, I've just kind of given up on it. I just, um, I'm letting it happen now. It's not, you know, my wife seems to understand after 25 years that that's just my temperament. I mean, get angry easy, you know. That's not struggling against sin. That's, that's losing. That's failing. This is a call for us to, to get up and struggle against it. It's a call for holiness. And 
really, I, I mean, I don't know the exact situation here. Clearly, it's, a, it's, a, it's an early Christian church that's mostly Jewish, and they need to understand who Jesus is. But, I mean, you just drop it in. We can use it right here, right now. This is what we, you and I need to think about and understand in relationship to our, uh, our Creator and, and our, our Savior. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Now, the verses go on through 11, uh, mostly, largely talking about the discipline of a father and the example, the good example, but weak example that that is in comparison to Christ being our heavenly father and wanting to discipline us. And discipline's a word that we... You know, I flat out just want to change it for today to get you to think differently and just say that it corrects our character. I mean, a discipline is teaching. Discipline is not punishment. Um, Kevin and I had a good talk about that. Um, it's important not to think of it in, that, in those terms. It's correcting. It's a loving desire. It's a loving change. It corrects our character. And this scripture is flat out saying that your struggle with sin and your enduring of hardship is the correction of your character. Don't worry, you're not the only one that has character that needs correcting. I mean, uh, if we think this hardship is, you know, why me? You know, why, why are we trying to correct so much of my character right now? I mean, we're all broken, we're all sinful. We all have our own action plan to get better, right? That perseverance in a, in a path that's been set out for each one of us as followers of God. Uh, the, the only other emphasis in, in this section I want to capture is just uh, don't, don't miss that enduring hardship is part of that character correction as well. And that, of course, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it produces, at a later point, a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained or taught by it. So uh, our first fill-in today, our struggle with sin and character, sin and hardship corrects character, righteousness and peace spring forth through corrected character. Righteousness and peace spring forth through corrected character. And a question is just, how does your compulsion for Jesus compare to the struggle with a sin or a personal hardship that you're facing? I want you, I can't, you can't do this in a service. You've got to spend some time in the Word and think about and study who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he's doing right now, according to Scripture. And I believe chapters 1 to 10 very adequately and, and uh, it, 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 for me, excitedly do that. Um, and and, you, and that, th those need to have a proper balance, if you will. If, if you're saying I, I, my uh, struggle with sin or my struggle, uh, difficulty with hardship is uh, I want you to look at what your thought process is on the person of Christ right now and how you deal with that. Okay. From our sin and our struggle with sin I want, and correcting, I want to talk about the second point, which is God's correcting of our character enables us to serve. Hebrews, uh, starting with verse 12. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled. Now, 
this is basically a command to us to our straightening of our path, our struggle with sin lived out, our enduring of hardship lived out among the fellowship and among people who don't know Jesus will affect them. It will change them. As the Holy Spirit changes you, as the righteousness and peace, that harvest comes, people will see that and they will be changed. They will, you're going to have to, at some point, use your words to share the gospel but if it's backed up by a life that shows uh, growth and holy, uh, a trend towards sanctification, holiness, growth towards God, that is something that people will be attracted to. Without our uh, holiness, no one will see God. Verse 14. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up because of, be, to cause trouble and defile many. Um, Verse 16, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, he became a big crybaby. So we can ridicule uh, pretty easily Esau, but um, honestly, we have been endowed, uh, we are in the image of God, and we have been endowed with wonderful gifts that are godlike, that make us different, our creativity, our ability, uh, a, a capacity for sexual intimacy, um, uh, uh, my ability to love pizza, it tastes delicious, I love it. Those are things that are given to us by God, and we must not be personally, and we must help each other not to be improperly enslaved to these things. And that's what this is a call to. We need to help others avoid those pitfalls in life. Um, you know, it's not linear. I, I just want to caution that this is not a, a progression where, you know, I have to clean myself up to perfection to where I can help someone else. It's actually very organic, I believe, and back and forth. And we as a body come together and in our mutual, in our individual struggles, we mutually help and encourage each other. And we are impacted by each other. We need Christian community and we need to be here to do that. Um, I need you to be here so that I can grow. We are saved. We are being saved. We will be saved, right? We've heard that. We are currently believers viewed as righteous, but we are also being sanctified day to day. We're, we're struggling and striving towards holiness day to day. It's an effort. It's a struggle with sin. It's an endurement of hardship. Ultimately, we will be perfect. We will be perfected. That's Team Zion, by the way. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So, uh, for the second point, God's correcting of our character enables us to serve. God intends our struggle over sin and hardship to lead others to see the power of the gospel. I do not understand uh, very often God's MO, his motivation, uh, method of operation for reaching out to other people via my sinfulness, via my real living. 
my lived out life in front of others. Because it's not perfect. It's, uh, it just seems like there might be a better way to do it. But God says, no, you're, you, you've received me. Now you're staying here. We're working on your character. And you're going to influence others by you working on your character. By your character being corrected. By your struggle with sin. By your endurement of hardship. You are going to draw other people. Your holiness, that's holiness, by the way, is going to draw other people to me. And that's how I do business. Not the way I would have done it, but but that's true. That's how we. That's how we. That's why we're still here. Um, it's amazing. Uh, question I have for you, though, um, did I mention our struggle leads to others? I did. It's hard when you're doing this twice. Caleb warned me. You know, there's going to be. You might not know if you said it or not. Question though, is your casual addressment of in your struggle with sin or is your guarded lifestyle with respect to you trying to endure hardship is that misleading others live your life out in front of other people live your your struggle needs to be working towards holiness your endurement of hardship needs to be it's a struggle as well i'm kind of mixing my my words here, but it's, it's tough too, but people need to see that. Um, and, and in doing so, that struggle speaks, it speaks supernatural something to other people, in which case you will get the opportunity to speak and say what the gospel is. They really work together. Okay, lastly, last third point is um, there's real joy in joining and embracing what I'm gonna call Team Zion. So I told you we had some mountain metaphors here and I wasn't kidding. So Mount Sinai is the location where the law, original law was laid down or given to the people of Israel and the process of doing that, uh, as you can imagine, was frightening. so, so the verse is kind of, verse 18 to 21 basically says, don't worry, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, a tangible mountain like Sinai, that's burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded that even if an animal touches the mountain, it'll be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Um, This is not the team you want to be on. This this original covenant, two-way covenant, basically said um, you you can't be good enough. It was a two-way covenant that basically said if I can just obey this law during the time here on earth and not mess it up, God will... Uh, I will be restored with God, and we will be together forever. The problem is we can't keep that covenant. And, and that covenant was a, a good one to show us or to set up with us because it leads to the new covenant. And uh, it really is a measuring stick to tell us that, oh, by the way, you can't be good enough in your, in your own power. You just can't do it. It serves to make us you know, aware of what we do that disappoints God. In fact, last week, Kevin said, um, in, in service, sinful behavior ticks God off. It does. 
And so the result in that same mind of thinking on Team Sinai is still very scary. There's people, uh, many of us, might be still living that way in this sort of a, um, hoping to be good enough, attending church often enough, scared at that mountain, at that presence of God, and, and rightly so, if we don't understand how that covenant was changed, how the, a new one-directional covenant was changed that Jesus brought. So a couple years later, after this trip on Mount, this thing on Mount Sinai, um, Jesus shows up. And his, uh, his, uh, he, he, he managed every aspect of the covenant. Uh, he, he, was, he was the sacrifice. He was the high priest. It was for once and for all, not every year. It's all completely taken care of. And um, this, changes, uh, this changes our view from this understanding of uh, relationally to God where we're seen as sinful, and it's scary, on Mount Sinai, to this view of Mount Zion, which is a... Mount Sinai is a physical place. Mount Zion is on earth. Mount Zion is a metaphor for heaven. And uh, the joy that Jesus had before him is that situation, is that set up in heaven. That's the joy, the same joy that we have in working through our junk, our struggle with sin, our hardship. So, verses 22 to 24. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God. You have come to the spirits of righteousness made perfect. You have come to Jesus. The guy who cooked the new covenant. To the sprinkled atoning blood that speaks a much better word than a vengeful blood that we saw in the story of Abel. That joy that Jesus was able to work through his, his path for him is the same joy that we have for us to go forward through our struggles, through our hardships. And so uh, the fill-in in real joy joining and embracing Team Zion is we must fixate on what Jesus did and will do for us in order to move beyond Puget Sound, in order to move beyond the fear and the gloom that's in the foreground and keeping our eyes on that mountain, on that joy that we're going to share with Jesus, with God, with thousands of angels, with people that have been perfected like yourself and myself. That is 
the same joy. That is the joy that's God said, that God, I believe, is setting before you today in this charge from chapter 12. Uh, so questions, I have a couple of them. Which mountain are you looking up at today? If, if you're still kind of on the, gee, I wonder if God is mad at me or I feel like he's mad at me and I'm not sure if things are right, you know, you're loitering at the bottom of the wrong mountain, okay? It's hard to find that joy that Jesus found and that we as believers understanding the, and, and receiving the gospel can find. And so um, that's, that's at the base of Mount Zion. The, the description that I just gave you in those last three verses. Question two, when did your thoughts last linger on who Jesus is, what he accomplished, and what his role is now? The, the verse that we all probably have memorized or know from chapter 12 is fix your eyes on Jesus. And, and I've been thinking, for me this week, I wanted to call it have a, develop a compulsion for the person of Christ, who he is, what he's done, what he can do right now. That's really what I wanted to, wanted to, uh, to, to be. It's, it sounds a little bit different. I think it's the same, but it's just kind of getting us to look at it a little bit differently. Okay, uh, next steps. Uh, consider reading over chapter 12 again and meditating on it, thinking of picking uh, for some of us this week, there's been many uh, situations over the prayer chain that we know there are new hardships dropped. For those of us, others of us, there's hardships that uh, have been going on for years and years. Uh, likewise, struggles with sin. Um, ask God to correct your character and refine you on that. Spend some time doing that. Thinking about the attributes of Jesus and uh, the, 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 the um, a compulsion and ability to fixate on him is uh, chapters 1 to 10, I think, would be smart to do in your quiet time. And then uh, finally, there will be some people up here afterwards or even during the week. If you need to find someone who could become your hero of the faith to share and explain what this Team Zion thing is all about actually all about. This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening.